welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine, Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast. With me as usual to look at the week's major cricket stories in the region is Joseph Reds Pereira. Hi Reds, how are you? I'm fine, um, trying to follow the, the, the world of cricket, which uh, <laughs> sometimes can be very confusing. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, t- uh, cricket on the telly at the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm flicking between two channels at the moment. I mean, there's a break in both games as we speak. There's rain in the first one-day international between West Indies and Sri Lanka, and England have just bowled out uh, Pakistan. I've got a on the on the first day as 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 we record. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of cricket coming up as well, which we'll be talking about both domestic and international. Um, where do we start? I think let's start with the West Indies, obviously, Reds. Yes, um, and again, uh, from the little play we've had, um, problems with our openers, uh, Fletcher and Charles haven't. Uh, quite uh, I, I got a start mm. and um, you know uh, with uh, Linda Simmons unavailable for selection yeah. uh, due to other matters um, and they're not maybe looking at, at Dwayne Smith anymore uh, they've invested in the two Winwood Islands players and they yet to come up uh, you know with, with a decent start but um, it's early days yet in the ODI series and and the weather is not all that flush in, in, in Sri Lanka. A lot of rain and the conditions might really favour uh, the bowling side if the, the covers have been sweating. Yeah, yeah. Um, you referred to Lendl Simmons there. I'm going to quickly make fill out that reference and then and then move on. Lendl Simmons was uh, uh, ordered to pay 150000 Trinidad in in a court uh, this week in a lurid sex scandal case, which we're not going to dwell upon. But if uh, listeners want to read more on the, the goings-on there, uh, they can Google that and, and, and learn some more. Um, so he's got a, a lot of other things on his plate. Were you, were you surprised over the, um, uh, the composition of this one-day side, Reds? Do you expect Fletcher and Charles to be the openers in this first game? Well, I think they can do some tweaking um, because the batting uh, since the tour has started has been, you know, very, very poor at the test level. And um, they could, in fact, um, t- do some tweaking. I mean, you could you can see uh, possibly Ramden opening. You can possibly mm-hmm. even see Carlos Braffitt being used as a pinch hitter. Um, they will have to do something to to spark up the, the top order. But even the middle order is, is having trouble. Samuel's form is not getting any better. No. And the one little indication that Bravo seems to be, you know, at least staying at the wicket for for, for long periods. Uh, I think we're gonna have to depend maybe on the all rounders in in in, um, in in the captain himself, Andre Russell, and. Um, Carlos Bradford, where he bats, 
Yeah. Well, there was in the one warm-up game uh, which West Indies won. They recovered from uh, I, I can't remember exactly what the score was at seven wickets down, but they were heading for uh, an ignominious total. And a quite remarkable partnership by Carlos Brathwaite and Andre Russell uh, ensued when they basically both went berserk, and Brathwaite made a hundred and Russell eighty odd to turn a, a nothing score into three hundred plus. But that covered up some woeful, uh, certainly a woeful batting scoreline before that point. Yes, a real rescue act between Carlos Bradford and Andrew Russell. That would have been a very embarrassing situation because, you know, um, more than half the batting had gone yep. um, when uh, they got together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they they won that game eventually. Again, that was a rain interrupted game. Uh, uh, the, the 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 Sri Lankan opposition were three wickets down when uh, the game was curtailed. And uh, this game at the moment curtailed for the time being, it seems at least as well. We're we're speaking as a game's already started, Reds. But um, are Sri Lanka or West Indies favourites for this one day leg of the series? I really don't know. I mean, it's mm. uh, it's a Sri Lanka side which is evolving. Yet, I mean, they have pulled back Malenga. Um, the West Indies has got a good track record um, at, at at this shorter format of, of the game. I I will think it is even Stephen, or maybe you just have to give the the host country the edge at this point uh, until we can produce maybe some very good top order scores. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, it may well be that uh, uh, rain is going to have the, the bigger say as the, the, the series and the 2020s pan out. We shall wait and see, and uh, perhaps we won't uh, preempt too much. Um, let's move on to the, uh, the West Indies women's side, uh, Reds. Uh, they seem to go from strength to strength, victory to victory. Yes, uh, not a good performance by the captain, Stephanie Taylor, yesterday. Um, the Duckworth Lower system came in because the rain fell with the West Indies just short of the target, a very paltry target um, by Pakistan. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's, it's a pity that um, Taylor again uh, could not complete the half century. Uh, she couldn't complete the hundred in, 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 in St. Lucia, but um, a very good performance by the women. I would like to see them blooding a few more people in the third and final ODI. Yeah. Um, they brought in Selman, the vice-captain. Um, they yet to include Campbell, the Guyanese all-rounder. And I'm glad to see that Fletcher, the leg spinner from Grenada, uh, got a game. But this is a time I feel that the likes of Drakes and, and Mosley mm. need to ensure that they're building a total squad and not looking um, to just concentrate on a tight 12. In in St. Lucia, in the ODIs, they played the same team throughout. Yeah. And um, I was hoping in Grenada we might have seen maybe just everyone getting a game. We'll have to wait and see. There's a good opportunity. They're leading 2-0. Um, you know, the third ODI, uh, you should be, be maybe seeing one or two changes. Yeah, well, that's... Um... Let's hope they, they blood one or two uh, uh, people. I mean, it's wonderful that the, the, the women are having such great success. And 
I'm also pleased to see that in the in the Caribbean they're getting quite a bit of uh, uh, coverage. Uh, the the papers have certainly been uh, covering their exploits uh, pretty well. Um, what has the, the the media been like in covering these games? Has there been any commentary or TV coverage or streaming of the games, Reds? The West Indies border—they are streaming for sure. In Saint Lucia, there was live television coverage and right. live radio coverage. Um, I'm not too sure whether there is radio or television coverage in, in, in Grenada, but certainly um, the St. Lucia tension uh, to the ODIs was of the highest order. I don't believe that that's ever been done before. So they, they, they've gotten a lot of attention and many interviews. There were interviews on radio, interviews on television. Yeah. Uh, they got a, a great deal of attention. No, it's lovely. And, uh, well, I did hear some of the uh, interviews that have been carried on the West Indies Cricket Board's um, old owner SoundCloud uh, site. And No, I think it's been great they're giving it attention. I think it's interesting as well, Reg, there is this ongoing debate in cricket about whether cricket should be uh, pitched to be part of the Olympics and in what format it would be in. And um, certainly the women's game uh, in the shorter formats might lend itself more easily uh, to that, uh, to, to the Olympics itself, rather than the men's game? Well, um, I think I was asked this question before, and I would want to see the report by the Commonwealth Games people mm. on when they tried um, 2020 in the Commonwealth Games. I think we, we have to see what were the recommendations, what was the thoughts, what was the success story, or was it not a success story? And... Uh, if somebody is going to come up with a format, what would be the format uh, to qualify for the Olympics? And of course, all the Caribbean countries will have to play, will Very have true. to compete, will have to enter as independent nations. Yeah, no, that's that, and that of course is a very, very big. Uh... Uh, aspect of this whole thing. Uh, just saying quickly in Grenada, I was interested to, to read that uh, they're intending to get uh, floodlights there at the stadium there, which will hopefully um, give them more opportunities for international cricket like they're hosting at the moment, but later in the day as well. Yes, uh, that's always um, that's always a plus for, for, for any international venue. Uh, but there's so much competition now in, in the Caribbean. It's not like the old days where you can shut your eyes and, and you know it was Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, <laughs> Guyana. Uh, things have changed uh, a great deal. And everybody now is, in fact, competing. And the West Indies Board has set up a bidding system. And after you bid, then the West Indies Board will meet with the relevant authorities in the Ministry of Sport and Ministry of Finance, uh, the Tourism, etc., and they will decide, um, you know, which way they're going to go. Hence, the South African Australian series are going to St. Kitts, yeah. Guyana, and Barbados, based on on the system they, they have used, which is probably a fair system. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see, and uh, anything that increases the uh, opportunities for any of the islands to host more international cricket is is good and raising raising the level. Um, <laughs> Going back to the men's side, where the, the level has not been so impressive, if we can put it that way, there's been uh, quite a bit of writing within the last week in the regional papers and also on uh, Crick Info internationally about the, let's call it the state of the nation of the West Indies. Uh, there was a very, very fine piece, I hope you read it, Reds, uh, by your good friend Ian MacDonald on Crick Info, uh, particularly this week that I'm thinking of, 
It was a magnificent piece written by a poet <laughs> in the first place. And of course, Ian MacDonald is a purist. Mm. Uh, I think he, he just um, may may tolerate the shorter form of the game. <laughs> but when, when it comes to cricket, I think his cricket is, is test cricket. Yeah. He grew up in Trinidad and remember the days of going to the Oval uh, and, and watching um, early test cricket. And then he came to Guyana as a, uh, a young man to work in the sugar industry. And uh, he did develop a, a special love for border also, mm. which is a very old-fashioned type ground in, in his day. And, um, you know, it, it was a, a beautiful take on what he considers, you know, the best game in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, he made some lovely analogies about uh, fast food as opposed to uh, cuisine and uh, other analogies uh, of 2020 to Test cricket. Um, it seems ironic, perhaps it's not ironic, perhaps it's deliberately been timed as such that he's made comments like this um, not long after Sir Garfield Sober's comments about um, the desire of Caribbean young men today, preferring the, the shorter format over the, the, the longer, you know, haute cuisine format of the game. And um, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, the the solution is towards that. There's a lot There's a lot of being, being said at the moment, Reds, about what's wrong with West Indies cricket. I'm not hearing many people coming up with solutions. Well, the new four-day format should have been one of the um, methods of going forward, part of the solution. Mm. But you take, you take, let's say, the Trinidad side, Gus Logie must yeah. be scratching his head. Yeah. And maybe um, Jamaica, um, I don't think Guyana is, is affected or Barbados, not, not as far as I know. Yeah. But they must be scratching their head. After the first two rounds, they will see uh, more players leaving yeah. including their captain. Yeah, and now, many, many years ago, I mean, when our first-class uh, season started in, in the old Shell Shield, whether um, Gary Sobers or Lance Gibbs or Ruhan Kanai or Wesley Hall um, or whoever was playing anywhere in the world, mm. uh, they would be back to yeah. play for their respective countries. And uh, that, made, that ensured that the competition was of the highest class, that the preparation for whatever test tour was upcoming um, was in good shape, mm. and uh, that, um, you know, the, 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 the crowds also came. I mean, to watch a British guy in a Barbados game um, at Kensington or in, in, at Border, I mean, it was a, like a mini test. Yeah. Well, um, you, are, you wouldn't have that... Um, all that often this year where the full sides are, are, are in fact playing until the Bangladesh um, 2020 is finished. Yeah, uh, I think people from the outside world looking at the Caribbean would scratch their heads, be astonished that there's player, Caribbean established Caribbean players, whether of national or international regional standing, are making the preference purely from financial uh, reasons to go off and play in the Bangladesh Premier League or the Pakistan uh, uh, 2020 League or the uh, Ram Slam in South Africa when their own domestic season's going on. It's difficult to know, though, what, what does one do? Does one ban these players and then bring on more controversy and confrontation in the Caribbean or just allow them to do it, but they're then 
not applicable for selection for the regional team? Well, ideally, if you had um, you know, a lot of promising players waiting to get an opportunity, mm. uh, those players will simply take the opportunity. I think the CEO of the Trinidad Cricket Board um, recently said that uh, it's an opportunity uh, for players uh, who can now get in uh, for, because of those vacant spots. Um, but, uh, you know, um, back to the point you're making, David, um, you know, it's a question of money. And yeah. uh, these players when ask themselves, oh, how long is my playing career? Yeah. Um, you know, this is a chance to go and, and work for some money, which I cannot work for in the West Indies. It's one of those catch-22 situations. Uh, the purists should obviously believe that they should stay home and, and, and play for their respective countries. And other people will say, look, these guys are getting a chance to go and, and, and play for some real money, as they yeah. might describe it. And it's it's their democratic right to, to go and, um, you know, offer their their skills um, and their trade. Mm. Mm. No, it, 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 on an individual basis, you can understand somebody... Um wanting to finance their children's education and, and their own financial security and things like that. Um, perhaps there should be more done by the ICC to restrict the extent to which uh, domestic, other domestic boards can effectively pillage uh, from the, the West Indies. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think Sagarfi Sobos, when he was almost in tears, was mm. making the point about too much 2020. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a money maker to some of the host boards, you know, yeah. a money maker to some of the 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 the, the, the host boards, um, and um, you know, uh, I think the the, the ICC um, should sort of look at this. One of the things that we also should always point out, and the boards should point this out more than anybody else, David is that they bring the players along from the under-13 and under-15 level, the under-19 level. Yeah. Uh, the West Indies board is involved in that process, along with the various individual national boards that make up um, the West Indies board. And uh, it, it's their investment. Yeah. They produce the players, and then they, they don't have access to them because the players go off um, and, you know, get permission to go mm. and play, as you pointed out, in, in Bangladesh or in Pakistan, which has now joined the queue, uh, along with Australia and, and, yeah. and South Africa. So, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's that kind of a situation um, where the investment um, by the, the various agencies, um, they are not maybe getting the players eventually um, to come true and play for the national teams and then go on to, to, to the Western Indies. No, you're absolutely right. By the same token, of course, you couldn't have uh, a young man be trained as a plumber and they, uh, or whatever trade, and somebody pays for his training and then say that he can't go off and work for a, a rival competitor because of um, restraint of trade laws. <laughs> There's no easy answers. Yes, um, it's a debate that that can go on. It depends, you know, whether you're a purist or maybe you're a realist. Yeah, I think um, I think you made an interesting point though that it, it's it's really the strength in depth of the the West Indies, and that 
ties in neatly to uh, looking back at uh, Basil Shotgun Williams, who uh, sadly was uh, uh, the latest Test cricketer from the the, the region to pass away. He went uh, a week ten days ago, and um, he was one of those who took his opportunity, Reds, uh, because of the uh, uh, the exodus of uh, was it nineteen seventy seven seventy eight of uh, several players off to the, the Kerry Packers Circus. Yes, um, it all started uh, when the replacement side came in into Guyana mm. and played Australia um, at border. A side um, that Australia had Wooden Sargent batting brilliantly uh, in the last innings to win that test match. But Basil Williams was just attacking. <laughs> and uh, I think I've made the point that Jeff Thompson was in that Australian side. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't bowling off spinners. But Williams, um, you know, was just attacking from the word go. And that was his style um, for Jamaica that led him, that led him um, to be selected because there were a number of, of other West Indians opening batsmen at, at the time. Mm. And they, they could have gone uh, elsewhere in, ter- in terms of, of, of picking other people. But Williams had had a, a, a good regional, regional um, run for Jamaica. And he didn't let the West Indies down. As you say, he took his chances very well. Uh, 100 at border, I think 100 in Delhi. Um, seven test matches, uh, 200. There are not many who, who, who have achieved that in, 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 in just a short uh, amount of test caps. Mm-hmm. I read uh, uh, a lovely report uh, uh, looking back at Basil Williams, um, I think it was the Jamaican Observer this week, and it described his century on debut. Uh, he's hitting the ball hither and thither, and it said uh, that the radio commentators were in ecstasy. Were you in ecstasy, Reds? Yes. Um, well, I, 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 I was glad um, that we were having cricket because at one time, um, when the um, selectors and, and Clive Lloyd couldn't agree to the changes because I think they were dropping Derek Murray, yeah. Desmond Haynes and Colin Croft and it came to an impasse and, a, and at, at one time the you had two West Indies teams in Georgetown hotels and there was in fact some worry whether in fact this game was pursued. Well it didn't it, it did go on and Clive Lloyd um, did a very statesman thing after he withdrew and the players that played in the first two test matches also were out, he did come out and ask the crowd to support the Kalitran led West Indies side, which I thought at the time was a very gracious statement and a very good statement to get the test match going again. Yeah, no, absolutely magnanimous gesture. I just, just finally, how good was uh, Shotgun Williams, Reds? Well, I don't believe that um, you can you you can doubt his ability as an an, an attacking player. Um, I I can't remember how much spin um, he, he played and how well he played the spin, uh, but certainly. Um, you know, like Roy Fredericks, you gather that you know, not afraid, mm. um, back themselves. Um, you know, mentally tough, and uh, you know, he was not a very big man. You know, he didn't have the shoulders of Phil Simmons. He was a wiry right-handed uh, Jamaican, and you know, his timing and his 
power in his wrist and his forearm. Uh, they were immense, you know, immense. And made a contribution to Jamaican cricket. I mean, after he stopped playing, he was a wrong uh, selector, yeah. uh, manager, etc. Uh, a real lovely personality with a, 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 lovely, a lovely smile. Yeah. Uh, as I think I said a week or two ago, when Steve Kamash uh, went, uh, we seem to be losing too many lately. Um, yeah, Basil Shotgun Williams. Uh, looking ahead, Reds, uh, an incredibly busy week of cricket. I don't know how we're going to fit in watching all of it. Um, we've got uh, uh, England against Pakistan, the third test which is underway. Uh, we've got the first test match between India and South Africa getting started. Also, the first test between Australia and New Zealand. West Indies' uh, ongoing one-day series, of course. And the, the, the four-day domestic season uh, starts on, on Friday in the Caribbean. Yes, and um, interesting, a little embarrassing um, for the Australian Cricket Association where the Kiwis refuse to continue... <laughs> A game because it said uh, what the pitch was like a, a jigsaw puzzle. Well, I saw a picture of it, mm. and it, uh, it, it looked terrible. It looked like a seven-day track. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, you could blame lack of water, but I mean, it looked like it was hardly prepared, yeah. or it was prepared two weeks ago, and um, you know, it, it, it really was a little embarrassing to cricket Australia, and it didn't help. For a start, for a match to be a, a warm-up match to be abandoned like that, it, it does remind us of the sort of dark days of uh, ill-prepared pitches that's happened once or twice in the Caribbean. Um, in, in a way, it's quite heartening that this can happen in Australia as well. But future generations are going to look back at that scorecard: five hundred and something for one match abandoned because pitch unfit. <laughs> Yes, it's a little hard to understand. And just to go back to the two matches you referred to, mm. the one in Antigua, I can well understand why it was called off. Yeah. The one at Sabina Park, I always felt that if the West Indies were batting, yeah. um, that game would have gone on. Um, I think that the, our our um, opening batsman would have been able to cope um, yeah. with the uh, short deliveries. Um, England batted, and I, I think that uh, they were happy uh, that um, it was, in fact, called off at that stage because they were really under a lot of pressure, uh, lost a lot of wickets, and I think they got the nod that um, the pitch was not prepared for the standard of a test pitch. I, th I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think it would have been very different. Uh, if the if the toss had been the other way around, or certainly the first innings, um, the simple fact of the matter was that the West Indies bowlers were far too quick and far too good on that surface, and there was every danger that uh, batsmen that weren't up to that that standard were going to get seriously hurt. And uh, I think common sense uh, prevailed. But yes, it would have been very different if it had been the likes of Caddick bowling to uh, uh, the, the West Indies um, batsman on that day. Yes. Um... And uh, I think it might have been a case of too many people telling the groundsman um, at Sabina Park what to do. And yeah. uh, I think that also came out. Um, that there were too many people directing whether it should be rolled, whether it should be watered, etc., uh, etc. Et 
that didn't that didn't help either. No, no. Well, and we know that there's been so much uh, inconsistency in the preparation and pitches in the Caribbean. Uh, in, in the in the generation since, uh, just going back on those those international matches, uh, Reds. Uh, what, what what are you looking forward to most outside of the West Indies? Uh, the the India South Africa match, or perhaps uh, Australia New Zealand? Well, I think we're gonna be in a in a, a vortex, if I can use such a word, <laughs> because both are gonna be carried um, on television. Yeah, um, the India South Africa will be on television, and the Australia. Um, New Zealand will be on television. So I don't believe we're going to get much sleep. And, uh, we will be probably, those those of us who, who, who care to maybe miss the first session yeah. and then taken after lunch and until close to play. Uh, a lot of people are going to be um, fairly wary-eyed in, in the following. The other um, little uh, matter before we close is the question of uh, Phil Simmons. Yeah. All the papers are carrying that Phil Simmons has been reinstated, but no official word from the West Indies board. Mm. And it, it just seemed to have gone on much too long, David. Absolutely. Um, I, I gather they, um, there was a recommendation to the board. Um, whether that recommendation has been looked at by the board, um, but no firm Westernies board releases come out. There's been a lot of newspapers, and you can check this morning. Yeah. You can check yesterday. Simmons, Phil Simmons reinstated. I think the the, the question of him uh, going to Sri Lanka at this stage is is probably out. Yeah. Um, and if anything, um, he he's got ahead um, to Australia, and something has got to be done about the batting. I think <laughs> he really needs someone. Uh, of the highest quality uh, to help him with, with, with the batting. Mm. Uh, we've got a bowling coach in, in, in Courtly Ambrose. I think we need really a world-class player to work with Phil Simmons and taking charge of the batting around. I don't see us doing all that well. Yeah, no, it, it, it does seem that Simmons is going to be back soon. Nobody's denied the story, and apparently Simmons has been, has been spoken to. Um, but yes, to let it drift on almost a week now, um, without some clarity, again, that's just not very well organised by the WICB. But they, they often don't seem to be able to quite control the story, do they, Reds? Yes, I think that, um, you know, a, a different kind of administrator would have been more on top. Yeah. I think you, you, you've got to be more on top, more assertive in, in a matter like this. Yeah. Um, then it just sort of lingering on, and when you speak, you don't really um, come up with any kind of of definite, uh, clear in, 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 in information. Yeah, yeah. No, well, we can certainly do with some more clarity on on that front. And on that, I think that's uh, just about the time to go. Uh, as ever, Res, I'd like to thank you, and if you'd like to thank all uh, listeners in the different regions. Yes, sir. we have listeners in, in Grenada, in, in St. Vincent. Um, we have uh, listeners in, in, in North America, both in the U.S. and Canada. I think we have some, some listeners in the U.S. Uh, Virgin Islands. And we have individual listeners. Uh, Ricky Skerritt, the former West Indies manager, was telling me recently that he's been listening 
uh, to the podcast and he has enjoyed the balance and finds that there's no bias one way or the other, um, <laughs> that it's been fairly factual and, uh, and fairly honest. Uh, th- that's the way he described it. Oh, well, that's that's lovely to hear. That's clearly a tribute to, to, to you, Reds, because my bias, as ever, is, is clearly in the England camp. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I couldn't remind you many, many years ago that you produced some real turners against Australia. Jim Laker, you know, 19 wickets, um, wasn't in, 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 on the best track in the world. <laughs> Old Trafford in 56. Yes, yes. But no, in the, in, in this, in the spirit of neutrality, we, we do try to tell it as we see it, don't we, Reds? And uh, well, you, you were uh, thanking listeners we have in different regions. I just want to... Uh, point out uh, Australia as well where we've got uh, very good friends on the uh, Can't Bowl, Can't Throw show and I just, any of our listeners if they want to go and find Dennis Freeman and Cat Jones, uh, their show again Can't Bowl, Can't Throw uh, they interviewed a day or two ago one of your old colleagues, uh, Reds, Henry Blofeld Yes, you remind me of a, a situation if we have another minute mm. um, <laughs> Trinidad spectators sitting in the concrete stand at the Oval in 1971, um, John Shepard, the Kent um, all-rounder, played for Barbados, was brought back to play for the West Indies, having a bad game, uh, didn't do well with the ball, but and misfield at mid-on. So when he came to pick up the ball um, in the boundary, um, a spectator said, you're John Shepard? He said, yes, I'm John Shepard. He said, boy, you're a real all-rounder boy. You can't feel, you can't bowl, you can't bat. <laughs> I hope Dennis and Cat listen to this show and, uh, and they can go ahead and, and, and use you saying that, Reds, with our permission uh, uh, for, for their show. Um, briefly, thank you again, Reds. Yes, and stay safe. Stay safe wherever you are. Yes, and, uh, and thanks to all of our listeners, wherever you've been. Uh, this has been the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, and I hope you can join Reds and myself again next time. Goodbye. <laughs>